Hola, LinkedIn family. Welcome. Bienvenidos. I'm excited to be hosting another LinkedIn Live session where we will be having a multicultural discussion about how to live a meaningful and purposeful life by doing well and doing good. Before introducing my incredible speaker, I do want to take a moment to introduce myself and my platform for those new or future viewers tuning in. My name is Jonathan Tarin. I'm a Mexican-born, Texas-raised executive with 15 years experience in the advertising industry. I'm also the founder of El Brightside, a brand platform that does two things. First, we are dedicated to creating and sharing stories of the multicultural human experience. And secondly, we provide creative and social media strategy, brand communications, and campaign management consulting services. My journey with El Brightside is driven by the joys of culture and operates with a belief that nuance is powerful, culture is everywhere, and humans connect both. So yes, I'm on a mission to ignite business through human connection, and I believe it to be a stepping stone in achieving happy human business. So I invite you all to please connect with me on LinkedIn if we're not connected already, of course, and to please check out my website at brightside.com to learn a little bit more about me and the things that I have to offer. Perfect. So slight pivot now. For those that have not noticed or seen my hyper engagement on LinkedIn, <laughs> I'm all about centering human experience and diving deep into all the good, the bad, and the ugly that molds us into human professionals. Today, I'm honored to have the opportunity to interview and introduce a Latina executive leader that understands how culture and our humanity can be a catalyst to create an impact and change at scale. Pilar Avila has held C-level executive positions and helped lead organizations across the finance, hospitality, and nonprofit sectors for 25 years. She has worked alongside civil rights advocacy pioneers like Raul Izaguirre and helped lead organizations founded by iconic politician and business leader, Henry Cisneros, where she led efforts to break barriers forged by inequality, oftentimes leading first-time initiatives such as hand-delivering the first version of the DREAM Act to the White House, which propelled the first-ever U.S. congressional testimony on Latinos in financial services and co-hosting the first U.S. Latino Jewish National Summit. Currently, Pilar is the leading founder of Interductus, a global change management consulting practice providing executive leadership and multidisciplinary expertise to institutions, including ESG-focused and impact investment funds, corporations, foundations, and nonprofit organizations. And through the Renovats Executive Development and Wellness Program, she's also bringing her expertise and passion to the global stage, aiming to elevate the impact of other business, civic, and community leaders around the world. So her career journey has been amazing, 
and continues to be amazing. So I don't want to give more of it away. <laughs> I want to proudly welcome Pilar Avila. Hello. Hola, Pilar. ¿Cómo estás? Super bien. Super feliz de estar aquí contigo, Jonathan. Super excited uh, to have this conversation with you, have real talk, and hopefully uh, share something that might inspire someone. And uh, let's do it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I, I I love the energy, especially in our pre meet. And um, what I do want to do for everyone tuning in or maybe even tune in later, I want to give y'all kind of like a quick overview of what to expect, right? So first of all, <laughs> I really feel this conversation will be uh, of great value to this amazing community here on LinkedIn, particularly in a time where I think many of us are seeking fulfillment and purpose, not just in our life, but in our career. So what we'll talk about is culture, and how this has helped Pilar mold her life and career. We'll talk about her being a Washington DC advocate and private equity Latina executive. Um, we'll get into life after COVID and something that really stood out to me when we were talking before Pilar was you talking about flipping the switch on life and prioritizing happiness. So we'll dig into that. And lastly, uh, we'll talk about you becoming a Latina entrepreneur and scaling wellness programs across the globe. So everyone, as a request, I ask you to please engage with us during this live stream. Um, we will be dedicating 10 minutes at the end of the session for Q&A. So like, share, comment, ask questions. If something that we're discussing ignites your curiosity and you want to know more, I'll make sure to uh, go back and ask these questions to Pilar. So, perfecto. Bueno. Creo que ya estamos listos. I think we're ready to begin. Orale, dale. <laughs> All right, Pilar. So I always like to set the tone and begin by having um, the people that I interview share a little bit more about their human essence. So two questions, dos preguntas. Where did you grow up and what is your favorite childhood memory? Wow. <laughs> um. I was born and I grew up in Puerto Rico, a small but mighty island in the Caribbean, U.S. territory. Um, you know, most of the cherished memories uh, that I have are in my grandparents' home, grandparents home in Ceiba, Puerto Rico, uh, where it didn't matter where you came from, your religion, um, whether you have money or not. A, how you looked, uh, everyone was welcomed. And a lot of my values and the way that I live life uh, started and I learned from my family in Ceiba, Puerto Rico. That's wonderful. Yes, um, I, I have, I'm lucky to have both me and my wife, a lot of Boricua friends um, mm -hmm. and uh, their love for their family and of course their beautiful uh, island is real. So thank you for sharing that. Um, how about a, a, what are the, your most memorable childhood experiences, whether it was in Puerto Rico or maybe in your adolescence? I mean, there, there are just so many. Uh, and, and again, but, you know, 
And I can tell you that this comes up in my dreams a lot. In my dreams, I find myself many times in one of my grandparents' home. And the, the, the most favorite memories are some of the simplest ones. You know, and as I think about this, I see myself in my grandmother's front yard. She loved flowers and roses and helping water the flowers. So, you know, I, I had just a, a really privileged, you know, upbringing uh, because it was, I was surrounded by love and the love of my family and wonderful people that I learned from and that I cherish. And again, I seek to honor every day with every action. Um, so. Perfecto. That's wonderful. Yes. Uh, the, our moms, uh, our abuelitas, they love their gardens. Les encantaban sus flores. Yes. That was real. Um, and even our, our fathers and our tíos, man, uh, I always joke around about how, uh, you know, the tíos are, um, you know, our fathers coming to our home and wanting to plant something. I'm like, yeah. siempre queremos plantar algo, you know, and I loved it, you know, because now that I'm a dad and I have children, I love that my children were able to kind of experience that with their grandparents, you know. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So now we'll go into a little bit of um, the cultural aspect. And um, I want to ask you, how has that cultural identity, your cultural identity and cultural upbringing influenced your career journey and your career choices? You know, I think that growing up, up in Puerto Rico uh, among people who uh, worked hard and rose through entrepreneurship and education um, in, a, in a country, in a community that uh, was not defined by the color of our, of our skin, but by who we were, our values. Um, I am very open to cultures, very open to people. I have never seen myself as just one thing. And while I am very proud of being, you know, Puerto Rican, I, I see myself more as a citizen, as a human of the world. This also was influenced by the fact that Puerto Rico is such a small island. And when I, I saw it in the map and I saw the rest of the world, I thought, oh, my goodness, I have to go to all these places. Right. So I, I, I was conditioned as a, as a young woman, um, you know, and aspired to be open and to live among the people of the world. So. That's wonderful. I, I, I love that. I think. Um... You know, when I think about cultural upbringing, you know, I'm an immigrant, a Mexican-born uh, immigrant of this wonderful country that I believe in so much as well. Um, but when I think about cultural identity and its impact that it's had on my career, uh, to me, it's like the core of everything. I, I think we carry a lot of um, our cultural essence with us and we want it to show up and we want it to be projected to the world. But we're also so receptive. Yes. yes, I think that's what Latinos are. We're so receptive to other people. And, you know, and, and when you do that, when you're receptive to others, what you're going to receive is acceptance and embracing mm -hmm. of who you are, right? So it goes both ways. But yeah, I, 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 that's my observation with Latinos. We're just very, very open uh, to everyone, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's true. And don't get me started on uh, like cultural experiences like um 
our gastronomy and how that that's where that's where you get me in my heartstrings is like when when I talk to my Colombian friends or Venezuelan friends and uh, or Salvadoreño friends, the pupusas, you know, the arepas and the gorditas. And I'm like, you know, let's have a competition. Let's just eat everything. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, come on, come on. You know, I'm really open to that. Yeah, <laughs> but I love idea. that. <laughs> that is always a great idea. Um, Bring it on. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's good. And I love that you talk about um, the receptiveness of different cultures because you're a person that is doing amazing things. Uh, ha and has done amazing things here in this country and across uh, the globe. So I kind of want to get uh, into a little bit of your career journey so people can know a little bit about that experience. So you have worked uh, um, alongside some iconic U.S. Latino leaders, mm -hmm. uh, corporate executives and uh, elected officials in Washington, D.C. as an advocate of you know, our Latino cohort here in the U.S. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the triumphs, the failures, and just your overall experience as a Latina advocate in Washington, D.C.? Oh, wow. Uh, um, triumphs and failures. Um, you know, uh, sometimes the triumphs are small. You know, it might be you know, an ability to have an important conversation to change hearts and minds in Washington, you know, be able to open a door, maybe a door that's not usually open or often open to our uh, our community or, or what we care about. So sometimes the triumphs are small um, and, and sometimes they might not lead to the big thing that we're seeking. You know, I've been there, done that. But at the end of the day, every step, every person, every um Every every enlightenment opportunity to bring the bright side to other people uh, who are in a position of influence is a triumph. Uh, there have been, you know, of course, uh, many setbacks and many missed opportunities. I, I think that the biggest one that I still think about, and I, you know, I I, I hope that the future brings something better. It, it's a more sensible. Um, a more um, strategic um, and, and forward-looking immigration policy in the U.S. So that, that uh, has been a long road with not enough progress, but, you know, there's always today and tomorrow. So you have to keep grind, grinding and, you know, moving ahead. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Um, I was blown away by the experience that you uh, actually went through in Washington, uh, particularly in the commencement of bringing the DREAM Act to the table. Um, and just for transparency, you know, I found out I was undocumented when I was in uh, junior high. Okay. And so that changed the trajectory of my life and the perspective of like, what happens next? So I remember with so much um, hope when the DREAM Act was introduced, you know, in the early 2000s, I think it was 2000 or in the early 2000s. And um, the hope that that gave me, oh my God, it was so real. So when you say, you know, 
forward-looking, humane. I mean, you're speaking to millions of us out there that have one of two things, even got, gotten lucky to, you know, obtain legal status in this country or are still seeking, you know, uh, legal status in this country. So I agree with you. I think the, the discussion of immigration is a very complex one. And if I may, I, I want to tell you a little bit about that moment uh, because I don't want to leave anyone thinking that I spend a big amount of my career uh, working on immigration. Uh, in this situation, this particular situation, I just happened to be invited to the right room. I was in the right place and at the right time. And I heard the ask, you know, there was a challenge around in the room that I was at where they didn't know how this first draft, this ask, would be bring to the desk of uh, President Bush. And I thought, well, wait a second. I think I have the cell number <laughs> for one of his aides that I talk to frequently. Let me see if I can help. And I made a phone call. And that's how that happened. I didn't do all the work, but I was in a position to provide access to the beginning of something, you know, really exceptional, where, again, we haven't achieved what we set out to achieve yet. But there's time and there's people continuing to carry that torch. So sometimes it's about, you know, being understanding that you can be a vehicle, you know, you can be a vehicle to remove barriers uh, for opportunity in your community. And uh, yeah, listen and be open. Keep your, you know, your contacts available and be a vehicle, whether you spend a great amount of your time on the issue or you, like me at that moment, I happen to be, you know, in a place where I could support. Uh, then later on, I had an opportunity to, to uh, collaborate with uh, amazing founding leaders of a great national organization, United We Dream, uh, in 2012, 2013, when an opportunity opened up to work on immigration legislation. Remember the, um, a, the gang of eight that came together in the Senate. Again, we worked very, very hard. We didn't uh, attain success, but again, we gained a lot of support, a lot of champions, and we continue to, to work on it. Not me personally, but many wonderful leaders in the country. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I love that you said being in the right place at the right time and how that opened the opportunity of access, which I think is, um, I think it's so important in any space where decisions that impact um, humanity, uh, it's, it's so important for, for diverse um, uh, folks to, to be in those rooms. And, and I love that you shared that experience because especially as Latinos, 
hey, wait a minute, you have a challenge? Let me figure that out for you real quick. Déjale hablar a alguien real quick. And I love that. So, <laughs> I can help. Um, and, and so that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I love that. Um, now, uh, you also know a thing or two about raising capital. <laughs> But yes. more importantly, about, again, having diverse entities, organizations, individuals gain access to capital. And you did this for nonprofit organizations, but you also made a career move into um, the private equity sector, which I thought was amazing. And I, as I was looking into this, you know, I read it on a McKinsey report, a 2022 McKinsey report on the state of diversity in U.S. private equity that yeah. women of color only accounted for 12% of the C-suite level positions in private equity firms which was actually 6% lower than the representation in corporate America, which by the way, is already bad enough. So <laughs> yes. I, I wanted to engage you and really know, you know, what was it like being a Boricua executive in a space where leadership, statistically speaking, doesn't necessarily look like you? Um, you know, it was a great challenge at the time. Um, you know, we're talking about, efforts that began, at least I, I, I was part of a, in the beginning of the millennium, <laughs> 2002, 2003. And, you know, the awesome thing is that as, you know, people came together, leaders from the organization that I used to uh, lead as, as uh, the executive at New America Alliance, founders of the New America Alliance. You mentioned Raul Isaguirre, Henry Cisneros, eh, and others. What, what we had eh, already in the Latino community was the proven excellence of Latinos who have been investing capital at large institutions. We had a very, you know, basically a handful of private equity firms only, which in aggregate, At the time, I'm talking 2003, managed only about 500 million. In a matter of a few years, we saw the community grow. And uh, by, I would say, by, by, by about uh, 2012, maybe in 10 years, in a decade, that number of assets under management rose to 80 billion plus. Um, and right now we have a particular uh, Latino managed firm that I believe has surpassed probably the 30 billion assets under management mark. Just one firm led by Latino. So it's a lot of change and it just takes a few people to come together, people who have, you know, the grit, the expertise, the track record, but also the will, you know, to, to figure out which doors need to open. And sometimes you, you just have to kick them open, you know, have a strategy, you know, and walk through that door. I, I, I want to mention that a key factor um, at the time uh, was understanding the influence of politics and electoral leadership and policy on the distribution of capital, because the majority of the capital that invested in this country originates from public pensions, where many of our, you know, parents, our family, you know, 
work for governments, whether state or local governments are saving money for their retirement and that money has to be invested, right? So um, yes, these public pensions, whether it is California pensions, California t-shirts, New York City pensions, pensions all over the country managing uh, the savings of public employees are a key factor to the distribution of capital. And in that sense, elected officials who oversee policies in those pensions had a big hand and were the key to opening the flow of capital. But again, not because it's the right thing to do, not because, oh, poor Latinos, they are not at the table. No, 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 no. It's because we had people with the expertise and with the ability and the proven track record of having multiplied capital for other institutions. And why not build our own institutions? And why not have Latinos at the helm distributing capital to businesses, whether Latinos or others, who have great ideas, who have great teams, but might not find the way to the capital? Because at the end of the day, we need to understand that too often, you know, People invest in people who look like them. So we're not at the table if we don't have the capital uh, and have the ability to fairly look at opportunities within our communities and other diverse communities. Uh, then again, opportunities get missed. It's still, it's, there's still a, lot, a big gap, right? But we've, we've made a lot of programs in the last couple of decades. Wonderful. Perfect. I, I, I mean, it was so spot on that it wasn't about poor Latinos, you know, they're coming up. No, no, it's proven track record and expertise existing and, and, and showcasing, you know, our, our, our worth. And, 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 and you also said, you know, that people invest to on people that look like themselves. And, and I think that's also key. I think, uh, there's a sense of community there. There's a sense of understanding and there's a sense of cultural um, nuance and relevance among each other and knowing, hey, I understand you. I know your path. I know your journey. I know what you're trying to do and the way you're pitching me for, for access. I get it. And that is already a huge like hurdle to overcome. <laughs> so I love I love that. And. Ooh, that's a. I think we could do a whole other podcast on that. Um, oh, yes. or, or a whole other interview. And I have that. a few friends that you know, talk quite a bit about about this as well. Anytime. <laughs> that's that's great. Now you you've you've also do uh, consultancy work and you've worked in partnership with many organizations that are focused on the progress of Latino representation, of course, uh, such as like the Latino Corporate Directors Association, yes. who, who've reported that there's um, less than 5% Hispanic Latino representation on Fortune 500 company boards. Um, at least I believe that's the 2021 um, mm-hmm. data You're that right. I have. Yeah. And, and so, uh, to you know, I'm in marketing and advertising and there's nothing that it creates a better opportunity in my heart and in my mind than when we are uh, able to pitch a cultural relevant work to someone that already, again, 
understands the culture or is receptive to the nuances of it and is well versed in it because those are already big hurdles in its place. So having representation for five, for Fortune 500 companies is, I think, important across the board in any industry that we play in. So with that said, I, I want to get your thoughts on Latino leadership presence today. And are you optimistic about our representation growing on boards and the C-suite? I, I'm wow. hoping you say good things. <laughs> Great question. Well, I'll tell you that uh, the first time that I uh, heard about, you know, Latinos on corporate boards and the lack of their thereof, actually, again, was when I was leading the New America Alliance. And in addition to access to investment capital, promoting Latinos to corporate boards uh, were the two top agendas for the New America Alliance in the early 2000s. Um, we got good, uh, not good, amazing uh, ears and support in Washington, D.C. through the leadership of Senator Bob Menendez, who took on the agenda early on. Um, and but 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 when you looked at the representation, then we were talking it was about maybe two percent. Back in the early 2000s. But however, they, even though there were a number of efforts to promote Latinos on the corporate boards, eh, it wasn't until the Latino directors themselves, right? The few that there were at the time, maybe maybe 100 Latinos on boards at that time, um, came together, you know, and really uh, eh, developed a strategy eh, to support a new generation, again, of serving uh, Latinos with tremendous expertise that would uh, bring and that has brought, you know, um, a good business sense opportunity and productivity to cor corporate boards across the nation. So, and, and I'm talking about, you know, what became the Latino Corporate, corporate Directors Association. So I'm uh, really proud uh, to be part of the team as a consultant. Uh, they are passionate, committed, uh, but it's not only uh, about the service that they're providing on the boards, but about continuing to provide mentorship, resources, relationships, uh, and open the door for many, many other Latinos to come through the doors and lead in America's, you know, on America's corporate board. So uh, gladly, uh, you know, we're making progress. Um, there's a lot of work ahead, um, but, you know, it's happening. It's happening. And again, there's no lack of talent. You know, many times, you know, you know, Jonathan, many times, many times when there is a disparity of representation, uh, the excuse is like, where, you know, we can find them. Oh, no, we don't know any Latinos who invest capital, Latinos in Wall Street, Latinos, you know, yes, we are here. Y you know, we are here and ready to serve. And organizations like the Latino Corporate Directors, uh, New America Alliance and others are, are critical to putting a spotlight and developing the right strategies uh, to continue to provide a lift to the serving Latinos uh, to serve at the highest levels in our country. Yes, perfect. 
I'm all pumped up. We're here. <laughs> Aquí estamos. Like, you know, and, and, and that's across the board, you know, um, you, when you were expressing that, the first thing that came to my mind in my experience in advertising was always thinking about um, that issue, um, the one of like, ¿Dónde está? you know, there, there's just no C-level, executive level Latinos that have this type of expertise, that know how to direct, that know how to storytell, that know how to create um, this, you know, this type of work. No, 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 no. Look around. We are here. Exactly. We are here. Yes. And we we are here and we've been here. And I I, I feel I feel that at my core of my heart, like because I'm super passionate about this as well, is that um people just need to kind of acknowledge the existence and it's no longer uh, like I don't think there's no longer any excuses to say no. There's no. There's they're not here no when when excuse. when we're driving okay. the population growth. No excuse. No excuse. Let me tell you, you know, since we're doing real talk here, it, what it takes when you have uh, a small representation, okay, in a place of great influence. What it usually takes is the few people who are at the table figuring out how to open the door for others. And unfortunately, you know, many times Latinos, I think this has changed greatly. Uh, but I would say earlier in my career, uh, my observation was that people who attain, you know, those levels of influence maybe were. Uh, didn't feel that it was their place to advocate for other Latinos. We, you know, they were new at the table. Uh, but, you know, soon enough, soon enough, they realized, you know what? We we can do like other communities, you know, come together for people. Because, again, this is not about doing anyone a favor. This is about the business imperative of having people at the table and embracing and making business decisions Right, that engages the power of of one of the largest um, a, a economic a communities in the nation. Right, so um, that's where we're at. You know, I think that we have our leadership, our Latino leaders uh, in America. You know, have activated. You know, not only on their behalf, but on behalf of our communities. Uh, and um, I, I, I see, I see a, a brighter future ahead. Again, even though we're facing still very significant gaps in representation, but I see uh, our leadership, and not only the leadership, but the pipeline of leaders becoming more front and center in an understanding more how to prepare, how to leverage your relationships, and how to find your way to the room where it happens. Yes, how to find our way in the room that it happens. And, and man, are we so good at finding the way? <laughs> oh, we, you know, we are. <laughs> we, we're so awesome. And, and yes. um, But this... sometimes the doors are, are closed and then you have to figure out, right? How, how do I have the capacity? Uh, who can I align with to begin to, you know, to, to open the doors? 
Yeah. And, well, and, that, and that is extremely important is who you align with relationships. Who do you know? What do you bring to the table? How do you build a team of people that bring different perspectives that, that can truly drive innovative change? Right. So, yes, exactly. And, and being in those leadership positions, like you said, um, to be able to strategically think and remind the boards or the leaders about, quote, the business imperative associated with acknowledging the Latino cohort here in the United States. So I, and I love that because it's true. Um, I think there's a lot of, uh, and, and we're beginning to be more vocal um, and not backing down, which yeah. I also believe is um, an essence that has its role. And it's also important because it allows, um, and anybody can do it. You know, yes. anybody can do yeah. it because we have, Jonathan, I'm going to tell you something. It, people like you of your generation who are leveraging these technologies and these platforms, you know, I'm putting a spotlight on our communities in, in very powerful way, ways are part of this process. You know, the availability of um, platforms to tell our stories you know, and to and to spotlight our value, our contributions, those that we have already made, and all that we have yet to do, it's critical. So thank you for you know for providing this platform, and for what you do, and your generation. Oh, thank you, thank you so much, and and we appreciate. And I think there's also there's so much conversation that can also take place about the importance of. Uh, building bridges through generations oh, and, yeah. and, you know, merging the, the yeah. knowledge, the experience. Um, I think it's important for millennials to be working with Gen Z's, Gen Z's to be working with Gen Xers, um, all of that stuff. And, um, and, and that's what this platform that I do with at Brightside is really all about too, is highlighting people from different walks of lives and, and that multicultural human experience. And, and, and thank you for your kind words. I do accept them and they've, they motivate me. So it's the, the truth is real talk, <laughs> real talk. That's what we do. So, all right, now I'm going to get into the section of something we talked about in our pre-meet as well, which was life after COVID. And again, I want to reiterate something that stood out to me when we had our conversation. And that's what, when you were talking about flipping the switch on life, no. it kind of, it, it's something stuck with me. And I'm like, man, here I am talking to, uh, a successful Latina, you were in Morocco at the time, uh, doing amazing things, not just doing, you've done, like yeah. you've just shared with us. And, um, but something happened in her oh. life, something triggered this switch. And, and I'll quote you, you said, flip a switch that allowed me to regain control of my life Ooh. and do what makes me happy. And I was like, that you know it's so simple i think those soft words and the soft skills are so dismissed in business but are they're in all of us we want to be happy not just in life but in the things that we do in our careers so question can you share deeper perspective on that process for you Absolutely. and how you've been able to accomplish it glad to share glad to share uh, I mentioned that since I was very young, you know, I I, um, I come from a very hardworking family. My 
great grandparents were very humble, poor people in Puerto Rico. Um, in the generation of my uh, grandparents, they figure out how to, you know, become entrepreneurs and how to rise through entrepreneurship and political activation as well. Um, uh, so as a young child, I understood that it was really important to make money, you know, and that, that I had to figure out, you know, because my grandparents and my the generation of my, my parents have made their moves so that I could have more opportunities and a more comfortable life. Um, I, I, I had I feel like, what am I going to going to do? What's going to be my contribution? I have to be successful, make money, have a great career. Um, and when it, it's my time to take care of the family, like they have taken care of us, I need to be ready. What's going to be my contribution? So, so financial success was a big driver and a big goal for me, uh, starting when I was a young woman. You know, and I know that education would be a path to that possibility. Um, so for, you know, 25 years of my career, that was the goal. The goal was to have financial success, uh, to build a respectable career, um, at the same time making a difference. You know, I was very, very also very blessed to find a career path that, that has always had meaning. Um, but I found myself feeling a, out of breath, without energy, uh, looking ahead and not seeing where I wanted to go and realizing that, you know what, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something better out there. And that's when I realized, you know, this emphasis on the financial success it has been driving a lot of my decisions. And yeah, listen, it was all good. <laughs> but I started to ask myself, Pilar, you know, how, you know, what do you really want in life? Because you know what? You've accumulated enough. I, I think you're going to be okay. It's not like I'm ultra rich or unwealthy or anything like that. But, you know, listen, I worked and I've invested. I, I've been smart about it. And I knew uh, that I still had a great capacity to continue to produce, but I, I wanted to figure out how to continue to produce, but reclaim my space, my time, and my ability to make different decisions and, and place a priority on my happiness and my purpose. And that's when, Jonathan, that's when I decided to start my business. That was the motivation for starting the business. I realized that um, by having a business, I could determine more of what I do every day, what type of projects I take on, you know, how much I work, you know, do I want more work? Then, you know, go out and get more clients. Do I want to take a little break, you know, maybe make some space, you know, hire more people. Um, so it's been a journey. It's been an amazing journey that then led me not only to, um, you know, build the consulting uh, company, but also open the door for moving in the world in different ways, giving back. Then during COVID, deciding to start the uh, Renovad Gift Foundation. Um, and actually before that, the first Renovad um, a program was the Renovad Retreats for Women, Wellness and Cultural Immersion for Women. So, you know, it has been through this newfound leadership 
you know, and creativity and motivation that I have gained by becoming an entrepreneur that I am living life by, by my own design. And it's just, it's just a really, really thrilling and exciting adventure with the latest chapter, as you know, is becoming a digital nomad this year and spending a lot of time in, Mor in my beautiful Morocco. <laughs> yes, I, I remember you, which I think is amazing, you know, to to embark on that journey and um, and also reflect. I, I've I've talked to people and, and, and colleagues of mine and friends and family about our ability to kind of look back and 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 talk about the decisions that we've made and the things that have allowed us to be in the positions that we are today. So you talked about, you know how you were so hyper-focused on financial success and how that was a major driver and how education was also kind of like a catalyst for that. You did it, you continue doing it and you've gotten yep. in a position, but then boom, you, I, you said it. And I was, I resonate, this resonates with me. Yes. I'm still on that journey, by the way, uh, of financial success by all means. Um, oh, me too. But, <laughs> but, but you said something key and I think a lot, of us can relate to this. You got to a point in your career where you felt out of breath. Yes. You know, and um, I think that feels different for many of us. You know, some people uh, call it burnout maybe uh, and, and not to define what that means to you, mm -hmm. right? But it, it, I, I think there's a lot of that that happened before COVID and it accelerated after mm -hmm. COVID, this idea of like, I'm so exhausted and I want to do things that are purposeful and have meaning. Yes. Um, I, I, let me tell you about this, a, a, a flipping the switch, right? That's a reset, right? It's a complete reset. But sometimes this reset and this evolution It doesn't mean that you become someone new. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't want to. Yeah, no, I'm still me. It, it's just that I, you know, I took the time to spend with myself, okay, to look within, to figure out why am I feeling this way? What can I do about it? What's in my capacity? How can I, you know, design the next stage of my life in a way that, you know, that, that fulfills me, you know, in a way that I continue to live with the same values and priorities that I've had over my life. But the big, the big revelation was that while financial success was at the top of the list so that I can build a career and travel, support my family, you know, do all these things so I can be happy at the end. And basically what I did, I just flipped the whole thing around. Now, the way that I made decisions is about my happiness first, right? And every other priority is still there. It's just that, you know, um, the order is different. And, and, and again, I, I think that the, the wisdom of that and the visibility of this comes with experience, comes with going into different life stages. Uh, um, I think that In, in the earlier stages of your career and your life, listen, having a great emphasis on financial success is great. Maybe not like I had it, top of the list, but I think it should be sort of towards the top of the list. 
build financial success, be like a, a name for yourself, your reputation, your brand, right? So that then later in the next years, you can bank on what you built and then maybe have an ability to bring forward more who you really are and who you really, what you really want because you have that foundation, right? It's like, you know, I, you know, the, the millennial generation, right? It's a generation that opened my eyes, you know, to a different way of living and, and, and to, you know, to the emphasis on others, you know, and, you know, less a calculating, you know, careers, you know, in, in linear paths, but having the ability to have more of an even flow and bring more of ourselves or all of ourselves to our careers and our lives and what we do. This I learned from, you know, your generation, okay? Um, a, a, so I, I think it's important a, to to be prepared to adapt, you know, and, and evolve as your life stages, your career, your situations in, in family, you know, family priorities change. Um, so, you know, being flexible and being aware, right? Avoiding uh, being stuck in the automatic pilot, which is absolutely common. You know, when we're building careers and we're so busy, we have family, we, you know, we sort of get on that automatic pilot. This is how I do it. This is what I do on Monday. This is what I do. This is when I take my vacation because of it. And, and suddenly we're not looking beyond, you know, this, this world that, 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 that is driving us rather than we driving it. Right. Um, so that, 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 that would be, you know, I mean, like a, you know, big, uh, really important thing to do. Try to sit with yourself, you know, look within. We don't do this enough. We spend our time, you know, taking care of others, doing things externally, you know, talking to other people, making things happening, taking care of others. What about us? So more, more time, more time, uh, sit with you, more time for yourself. So you can have, you know, that, clarity because at the end of the day all of the answers are within you mm, yes no absolutely i and i think we uh, not just the millennial generation i think um this intersectionality of uh human connection with different generations yes younger ones they're they're, they're much more i i really am absolutely inspired by them because they're taking ownership of what empathy means to their lives. Yes. They're thriving. And you said something key too, that a lot of us are coming from non, uh, from not being in linear career paths. We're, we're, we're making pivots and making changes mm -hmm. and open to applying that skill set in other environments. And so, uh, and not being on autopilot. I, I love that you said that too. So, um, well, we, we, we do have, um, let me just check timing here, um, eight minutes. So I want to, there's some shout outs that I see here. Um, so, you know, from Nelly, keep leading, Nelly Cuenca, she leads Aww. a nonprofit organization yeah. here in DFW. Yeah. She is actually a leader herself. So shout yes. out to Nelly. Este, you know, saludos. Uh, hello, Pilar and Jonathan. 
Este, I'm coming. Oh, so Morocco folks here representing. Uh, <laughs> este, Laura Guzman. Hola, hola, Laura. Thank you Hello. for engaging. Susana, Susana. you know. Este, que más? Hola, colegas from Veronica. Hola, Veronica. Thank you for tuning in. Este, Hello. que más? Que más aquí tenemos? Um, I agree. Oh, this is from Imad. Uh, I'm agree. Everyone needs to. Hey, hey. You know, one of our project managers for the Renovat programs in Morocco. Ah, perfect. Hola, hola. Our, Thank Morocco, you. our Morocco team is connected. Thank you so much. That is awesome. I need you. <laughs> Kamal Renovat give project lifted a print in Morocco, especially in suburbs. This experience was meaningful, inspiring, motivating for a change. Building corporation, it's a big honor uh, for me oh, to be a part of this community. Um, that's that's awesome. Um, it was just such an incredible experience for me for the first time to launch a collaborative project uh, outside of the U.S. Um, and what I found is that in a country like Morocco, you know, they won't let you fail. They come together. And um, I feel very, very embraced and, and absolutely committed to continuing our work uh, in Morocco with the English program, with the coaching program that we're about to launch and, you know, really collaborating with, with the team there has been just uh, incredible, inspiring. That's and I love that. And I, I know that this is something really, really important. Um, yes. And that means so much to you. Um, uh, we have Susana here. I, she's talking about the retreats that you mentioned, that she's been part of it many times, donated to Renovar Foundation. Right. And she's a volunteer. All right. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah. I don't do anything without Susana, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're just journeying through life together so and that's the beautiful thing you know when you have clarity about you know who you are when you're open when you're transparent you find other like-minded people and it's beautiful to be able to continue to journey with others and you know who support you in fulfilling your dreams and who also show you you know uh, by example you know, um, and inspire you by example. Someone like Susana has been an amazing inspiration to me. Yes, yeah, yes. Uh, we have a LinkedIn. I, I think it, this was when you were mentioning the importance of your yes. your image and your brand. I 100% agree um, that that is important. And you seen and you mentioned something good too, Pilar, about how we have so many resources at our disposal to be able to create to be able to share our narratives and experiences. Um, that in itself is also uh, stepping stones to creating your brand and, and your footprint um, in, in a digital landscape, especially. I, I then, would say to that, I do have a comment about that, right? Mm -hmm. a, extremely, extremely important that you're, as you're building your brand, you, you're, you do it in an authentic way, not building a brand that of what you aspire to be, even though it's great to be aspirational, but sometimes in that mood, eh, the reality, the essence of people gets lost, 
right? I, you don't need to tell me all of these fascinating stories uh, that some of them look a little bit made up. Who are you really? Tell me who you really are. Um, so yeah, building brands is an interesting co concept nowadays with the, you know, uh, the social media. Yeah, the social media yeah. landscape. I mean, yeah. I, I I love yeah. it. I, I think social media is a driver to 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 branding initiatives. Um, some people in my industry may challenge me on that, but um, you know, I'm up for a challenge always uh, <laughs> because yeah. you're right. Um, again, it's just the resources that are disposal to be able to build do Perfect. some brand building, Fantastic. and then uh, of course my wife, who I would not be able to do anything without. Uh, She says, saludos, Pilar. <laughs> well, um, I know um, we're coming towards the end of our session, Pilar. Um, I do want to uh, kind of let everyone know um, to please connect with Pilar on LinkedIn. She's on LinkedIn. Um, Pilar you. Avila, you can go to the event that was created. She is tagged on there. Um, as you, She's a delightful human being. And I'm sure she would be delighted to hear from you all and connect. And thank you to LinkedIn for all these awesome opportunities and how the platform continues to grow and evolve to give us an opportunity to connect in a more authentic and, you know, strategic way. So, yes, agreed, agreed. And then, of course, if you want to know more about her, her, her consultancy practices and um, management services, you can visit uh, introductus.com. CO. And then uh, if you want to learn more about her wellness program, um, it's also within Introductus, but you can go straight to renovat.co to learn more. Or I would highly suggest to just reach out to her directly, yes. ask questions, um, and, and, and do all of that good stuff. Um, so to everyone that tuned in, thank you. Uh, and Pilar, I want to say thank you for accepting my offer and interviewing you. I have no, I've known you and we've engaged in a couple of times because my wife worked for the new America Alliance herself yes. in the finance sector for, yes. uh, for many years, actually. And she, uh, you know, when she worked with you, she loved working with you. And I, I was talking to my wife and I was like, you know, she, Pilar has such an amazing career journey. I love what she's doing now. That's so mm -hmm. uncommon. Like I got to interview her. I got to talk to her. And so thank you. Thank you for accepting my offer. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, it's been, um, you know, great experience. Um, and I wish you continued success. And, and again, thank you for being a vehicle for telling many amazing stories, multiple yes. stories. Yes, absolutely. And and on that note, I do want to make a couple of announcements as well. I'm really excited to be sharing a, a little mini series next week, uh, starting with some teaser uh, initiatives for Hispanic Heritage Month. Mm. Uh, I did a little mini podcast series highlighting Latino uh, and Latina entrepreneurs, nonprofits and businesses. Here in Texas, of course, but, but you know, Texas love expands to the world, but uh, I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, I have really amazing uh, guests that are also going to help me kickstart Hispanic Heritage Month here on LinkedIn Live. So I'm really excited about that. 
Tune in tomorrow. I'm going to share more tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but Pilar, thank you again for your time. Thank Cuando you. vengas, we're going to go have dinner. Me lleva yeah. los chamacos. It's going to be a family affair. So, all right. Okay. I can't wait for the margaritas. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's on point. Always. <laughs> Muchísimas gracias, Pilar. Thank, thank you, you, everyone that tuned in. Um, thank you for your support and for everything. Adios. Hasta pronto.